police in the morning. Welcome, B-Movie fans, to another B-Movie interview. I'm Paul, and joining me today is Manny Serrano from Mass Grave Pictures. Manny, welcome to, to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining. So what inspired you to become a filmmaker? Kind of always been into films my whole life. I'm a kid of the 80s, so specifically horror movies. You know, in the 80s, horror was business. You know, it was Tales from the Dark Side and Tales from the Crypt. And, you know, we, we had Monsters and Freddy's Nightmares and Friday the 13th. It was, like, it was everywhere. Horror was for kids. So it was something that I always kind of gravitated toward. I had an uncle who was really into horror and sci-fi. And when I was young, he used to take me to the movies. So, I mean, I saw, like, Monkey Shines and Freddy's Dead and all those things in the theaters. And when I was real young, he actually had me till I was about four year, four or five years old. He had me convinced he was a vampire. That's pretty so, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So like, cause you know, you play hide and seek and he would pop up and play, he'd end up in a room where I already checked, you know, cause you know, you're a little kid, you don't understand what you're actually doing, <laughs> you know, but like, how did you end up behind me? So he had me convinced he was a vampire for until I was, until I was about five years old, you know, and, and that just kind of fed it from there. Uh, so I always kind of, you know, and, and, you know, and again, in the eighties and that time it was TV and it was movies all the time. That's just what everybody did video stores and, and everything. So it's just kind of what you did. And it just, I don't know, it always grabbed me when I was a teenager, I saw, you know, joined a band and we started writing uh, music, me and my friends. And then we started writing music videos and my high school had a broadcasting studio in it where I just spent a lot of my time just hanging out in there learning the audio board and the video board, running cameras, lights, editing and everything. And it just took off from there. So I've been kind of doing that ever since. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in, um, I was born in 88. So like I missed that magical eighties. Ah. period. So like, I'm always intrigued by seeing like all the old stuff. I'm like, I wish I could remember it. I remember like it dying out, but I'm like, ah, it seems like such an awesome magical time to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't like it's my one of those things. Oh yeah, one of those things. You know, people have like people around my age. You feel like it was the last great time, but you know what? I think that's just kind of a generational thing. Every generation thinks they were the last great time. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot of great things happening right now. But like as you go, as you get older with age, you start to just become cynical towards it. You know, like you don't want to be, but you just kind of can't help it. You know, so, you know, don't, don't, don't knock it. It's there and it's there and it's great. It's great stuff happening right now too. So. Oh yeah, most definitely. Could you tell us a little bit about, um, Mass Grave Pictures? Uh, what kind of films do you guys primarily produce? Uh, primarily horror films, awesome. primarily horror, uh, kind of run the gamut in all different types. Uh, we've done body horror, we've done slasher, uh, we've done 1950s sci-fi, you know, we even did the faux trailers thing for a little while. I like to kind of do a little bit of everything. I really like horror in general. You know, there's no like one thing I like more than others. There's some I like less than others, but you know, like I'm not, I'm not big on a lot of that, like that trauma stuff. Uh, like it's cool and fun. Like when you, when you, when you're with your friends and you're drinking, it's cool and everything. But like, I, I can't, like, I won't put on a trauma film to sit, watch it and enjoy it. You know, I just look at it sometimes again, maybe it's just that cynical nature of me. Sometimes I'm like, Really? You had you had three hundred thousand dollars for a movie and this is what you did with it? You know what I would do with three hundred grand, you know? <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of um you ever see the movie The Room? 
Oh, the Tommy Wiseau thing? Yeah, which is made oh, for like six million dollars, and that's what he made. Yeah. Well, you know, see, and he's and he's another one. Dude, a movie is it is it is easily one of like the worst movies ever made. But you know something, that guy funded it himself. That's so true. I give him I give him that much credit. Like this guy got together the four or five million dollars on his own through fundraisers and did it himself. So it's like you know what. He did a better. He did, he did. He put more work and more effort into that than a lot of people, you know. So I, I commend him on that. But dude, man, for that kind of money, hire somebody to tell you what to do, how to do it properly. Hire hire yourself a real like a, an awesome cameraman and a really good screenwriter for five six million dollars. Come on, you could have you could have made something great out of it. But uh, you know he loves it. He does what he's doing. So. <laughs> probably wouldn't be as uh, infamous as it is now that that too you know how much he's probably made off of that movie just by being the worst movie ever made there's theaters in the village out in the city that that still screen it regularly now i'm sure he's making he's making bank off every single one of those every time that movie shows somewhere he's making money what would you say is the most unique aspect of mass graves graves pictures everything that we do kind of has an aspect of the retro style and feel to it. When we first started doing this, I wanted to do something, uh, and I called it, I mean, this was back in like 2002 or so. I wanted to do this thing called the horror movie project where we would pick a different, every single, every decade of horror, like the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and do a movie based on those, you know, based on each, um, each decade of horror and follow the rules and the limitations of every type of decade as horror evolved and just do like a full 10 or 12 films in a row, whether they be short films or feature films would just be dictated by the script that you had, you know, that idea, like it never fully materialized, but I guess it kind of always stuck with us considering, like I said, we did a fifties sci-fi we did the, and that with, with attack of the brain people. And we did that in black and white. Uh, and it was like, like it's been, it's been described as Ed Wood directing night of the living dead. It really can't be effects, cheesy era, like literally brains on strings flying through the air, you know, all that, all that, like really cheesy stuff. We even shot it in, in a way where we, where we kept it in mind, like, well, in the 1950s, cameras were 600 pound beasts. They were these giant things that sat, that stood on a big rolling thing. So it's like you, the, the camera didn't have too much movement. You know, you were very limited in the type of movement. So I said, all right, well, let's shoot it in that way where the cameras can't really move. We can't run the camera through the forest. We can't chase people around. So everything had to be shot almost like it was being done on a stage. So that was kind of the the, the idea we went through. We went for with that. We did the 80s slasher with Blood Slaughter Massacre. And we did everything in the, in the same style. I shot it in Technicolor. And uh, all the effects are practical. Everything is in camera. So it's all it's all latex and old school. Uh, we even used old blood mixtures. My wife Lindsay, she she ran uh, the effects for the for the movie uh, along with a couple of other effects artists. But like she came, she found old blood recipes that Tom Savini used in the eighties. So it's like we tried to get that authentic to it. And even with our new one, Theta States, I'm kind of in that I guess that David Cronenberg scanners kind of feel to it. You know, so I guess that's kind of what's unique about us that uh, that we kind of like that retro feel, but I want to do it differently than other people do. You know, I, I don't want to do it in that like making fun of it. 
you see a lot of retro films that just kind of make a joke of the eighties or a joke of the seventies. And they go way over top with it. Like with machete, you know, it's a great film, but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a campy version of the seventies. Like, Oh, this is all the worst things of the seventies movies. We're going to stick it all in one, in one film. But it's like, those movies weren't bad on purpose. They were bad kind of as a, as a byproduct of their lack of budget and their lack of top tier talent. You know, they, they had, they had little time to do things just kind of, you know what, shoot it one and done, get it done, you know? And, and that's kind of what made a lot of those movies bad. It wasn't their own fault. It was just a matter of, you know, time, circumstance and money. And, and now you have these movies doing, trying to, trying to replicate something that happened accidentally, you know, and, and you kind of make a joke out of it to the point where it's like, well, now it's ironic. Like, Oh man, I love these eighties movies, but what do you love about them? Like, are they, are they good movies or do you just like that? They're bad. Well, they're bad movies. Well then that's not, I don't like nothing wrong with enjoying it that way. I mean, it's, it's cool, but like appreciate them for what they were, not, not for the jokes that you've made them, you know, and that's kind of how I, how, how I like, I want to treat the films. You make it like with blood slaughter. I wanted to make it as though the movie came out back then. Not that it's a tribute to eighties films. Like this was just done. Then this is the way they made films. This is the type of story they would have told. And this is the way they would have made it because we're looking at it like, well, we don't have the money to make a two, two, three million dollar slasher film. So we're going to have a lot of shortcomings when it comes to making the film. So let's just do it that way. Let's make the best damn movie we possibly can for the money that we have. And it just so happens to take place in 1984. Let's go. go at it that way. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's real easy to like, especially in, in retrospect, and if you were removed from something, to kind of make fun of it. But it's you really got to look at where the person who made a film is coming from and what, like you said, what they had to use the time period and things like that. Like a lot of these movies that people make fun of, they're not bad films. It's just that with technology being the way it is, it looks like, it looks kind of yes. um, hokey, but a lot of the Absolutely. best films um, have um, like, look at night of the living dead, like compared to almost any other um, zombie film, it looks bad, but it's one of the best zombie. Well, it's in my opinion, the second best zombie movie ever made because it they used what they had to it. They were trying to tell a good story, I think. Exactly. That's really what it is. He was trying to tell a good story. He wasn't worried about making a great movie. Well, unlike saying, he didn't go into this saying, we're going to make this awesome, amazing movie that's going to blow everybody away. No, they just got together with their friends and they had this really cool story that they wrote and said, you know what? We want to make a movie. Let's make a movie. And and they they sat down and made the script as best as they possibly could. They they you know they got the best actor that they knew, <laughs> and 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 the locations that they had available to them, and they just went out and shot it. And they said, let's just make tell the best story we can. We can't we can't compete with uh, 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 with like William Castle of the time. They couldn't compete with that because he had he had he had money. He had serious money going into some of his movies. They couldn't compete compete with that. And we're like, we don't want to do that. We want to do our own thing. We just want to tell a good story. And it became timeless. Oh yeah, I always say like when somebody goes out and makes a film, even if the film turns out not to be very good, well at least with like um, independent films, like you know it is somebody putting their vision out there trying to make something. And I think for like most um, small films, there is something to appreciate, even if um, even if you don't particularly like the film, there's something you can kind of learn. You kind of see where what direction they were going to. 
Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that's really fun about like talking to uh, filmmakers like you and everything. It's just getting to know like from the mindset of somebody making um, a film with such limited resources. It's it's always really cool. Yeah. Well, that's that's what makes that's what makes art. Everybody has a different way of looking at it. Everybody's got a different way of going about it. And even when you look at it, when 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 even as a spectator watching it, everybody takes something different from the film. You know, uh, um, in our new one, I wanted to do that kind of. I wanted to do something like a co- like a cursed object kind of story. You know, and I went into it like, oh yeah, like yeah, we're gonna make something really scary and really creepy, and you know time and circumstance things don't come out as scary or creepy. you still got a great movie out of it but it's not the initial uh, um it's not it's not everything i had originally pictured because you know over time your vision changes and say you know what i like this better let's go this way let's go that way and now i got now i've had at least three people say you know this movie is more sci-fi than horror i was expecting a horror and i'm like really sci-fi you know and then somebody said well it's it, it kind of reminds me of scanners and well that's funny because i i watched a lot i was kind of kind of had scanners on the brain when i was writing it so i guess it kind of ended up in that sci-fi in that sci-fi realm and it's like wow you know sometimes even when you make something you see it one way and other people see it entirely differently and that's what makes that's what makes great art <laughs> that's oh, really what makes great art Definitely. But I like uh, out, uh, out of curiosity. I'm sorry. I don't want to. But you said Night of the Living Dead is the second greatest. What's the first? I got to go with Dawn of the Dead. It's one of my favorite okay. movies of all time. <laughs> so like it's whenever I think of a zombie movie, I'm like, you know, I I think of it as how does this compare to Dawn of the Dead? And then I'll yeah. judge it from there. Um, I'm sure maybe somewhere there's a movie better, but I a uh, zombie movie better, but I haven't found it yet. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> so I, I like the idea that your company is kind of like um kind of like a time machine of horror films um do you think that certain styles of um and even certain types of films in the horror genre were better during certain time periods because of the way technology was like you look at slashers nowadays and they're just not nearly as good as they were in the 80s do you think that it's just because of the style that was used or um what's your opinion on that um I, I, well, definitely, I think the I think the technology definitely lends to a lot of it because of uh, twenty thirty years ago because of the fact that everything was done in camera, um, everything looked real. Now, again, you know, compared to today's standards, it doesn't look real anymore. You know, like in the sixties, there was that movie Snuff that came out, and it's a terrible movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Um, it's a terrible movie about like this Manson family type thing. And at the end of the movie, the director, then when the movie's over, Oh, cut. And the movie ends with this scene, pulling back the camera. And it seems like the, the crew of the film kills one of the actresses, you know? And that was the whole point of the film. They just made this really bad, campy, terrible sixties road type movie. And then they end it with the real life snuff film. And uh, much like Blood Feast and uh, uh, the other H.G. Lewis films at the time, people thought it was the most disgusting, revolting thing like this. People thought it was real, you know. But if you watch it now, it's like the blood looks like paint. Like it looks horrible. But back then, it, it was, nobody had ever seen anything like that. So it was shocking and it, and, and it really... You know, it really, it really turned people. It really made people horrified. You know, uh, um, so I think, I think that every 
style of horror at the time that they're that they were lends itself to the times you know like you do slashers now and they're trying to replicate what happened back then you know and it's like stop trying to replicate it and just do something new do something different with it you know uh we wanted to do some we wanted to do that original because we wanted to do it because it was our first feature and hey you do a slasher film that's generally what horror filmmakers do you do you get a bunch of your friends together and you kill them but um so so that's kind of why we did the old school thing but um I'm still of the camp, do something different with it. I'm fully aware we didn't do anything different with it. I didn't want to do anything new with it because I felt like with slashers, it's all been done. You know, and someone's going to, if someone's going to make something different and do something great and different with the slasher, well, then that's awesome. I'd love to see it. I just, I'm not the person to have an idea to change the landscape of slasher films. So I said, you know what? Let's just do everything we've always loved and let's just have fun making a movie. Definitely. it kind of reminds me of uh, the movie Cannibal Holocaust, where yes. it's, um, I think it's I think it's still the most controversial movie ever made, and like they brought everybody <laughs> in because they thought they actually murdered them, and it's yep. like because um, I've seen that movie a few times, and it looks, I mean, it still looks good, and there's like um, they actually do uh, kill animals in it, but some mm-hmm. of the scenes, it's like okay, that's obviously people didn't die in that one, but um, yeah. Yeah, but you know, nobody had seen anything. And then and then on top of that, the mixture of the um the film effects with the live animal killings, it really, really skewed your 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 vision of what was real and what was fake. So once you saw that you saw that pig get killed, you saw that monkey get his head chopped, you saw them tear out that turtle, it's like that's real. You suddenly your view of this movie changes and you don't feel like you're watching a movie anymore. Suddenly you're like, Oh my God, this is that really happened. And then when the, when the, when the movie kicks back in again and you're here watching, you know, somebody get ripped in half, you just saw that happen to an animal like 20 minutes ago. So your brain kind of almost like, it can't differentiate anymore, and you're just so shocked from the last one. This is just another shock. It's another another thing, you know, slamming you in the in the face. Like, what the hell, man? What am I watching here? Oh yeah, and, so and I, when they're killing, I, I like, think it was the whole package. Oh yeah, and when they're killing the people, you're like thinking in the back of your mind, like, I'm 99 percent sure that's fake, <laughs> but like, uh, I'm not quite sure. So I'm really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> exactly and, and i think that was that was the entire point of it that's the entire point to just make you really question like i'm pretty damn sure they didn't kill anybody here but damn man i i don't know <laughs> this is really skirting the line right now like i'm i'm really confused and 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 regardless of of how people feel about what diodato did to make the film you got to look at it and go look man it was effective that's it, 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 it accomplished what he wanted to accomplish with it. I mean, even he says now, if he would go back, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have, uh, done the animal killings. You know, he, he say that now, like, no, he regrets doing that. But that was at the time. It was just something they did then. Pretty much. Yeah. I actually made, um, we, we reviewed, uh, Cannibal Holocaust, I think about a couple years ago, but mm-hmm. I made the comparison to that, and this is going to sound weird, but I was talking about that movie and the movie, um, you ever seen Milo and Otis? Uh, the, the dog? 
Yeah, the one with the, yeah, the one with the dog and the cat. But um, yeah, apparently, I'm in, sure I saw it at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's one of those like like uh, kids movies. But apparently, yeah. um, and no one's been able to prove one way or the other. But supposedly, while making it, a few of the cats actually died because they put them in danger. And I was during the podcast, I was thinking. Huh. You know, which is worse to kill an animal on screen to make a point and then give it to the um because they gave it all to the tribes or to kill an animal off screen and that just to make it seem like an innocent movie. It's just um so huh. I can't really fault him too much when you look at it when you compare the two films, it's like if you're gonna call out one, it's like I don't feel like it's really fair to like um to not criticize the other one. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just like they just did with that uh, the new one, the uh, the dog's purpose. Yeah, I heard is that what it's that. called? That new one where the, where there's some video of them like forcing the dog into the uh, into the the uh, um, the tsunami water, and the dog is obviously scared and doesn't want to do it, and they're just like picking him up and forcing him in there, and it's like they're and, and because of that, and people getting so upset over it, they canceled their big premiere night. Oh wow! They still released the movie quietly. But they had like this big, you know, LA premiere, and they canceled it because they said there's just too much bad press on it. People just don't want to see that sort of thing. So I, I guess, I guess nowadays it's like, like it doesn't matter what you do. There's no, there's no reason to to hurt an innocent creature who doesn't understand what's happening. You know, uh, it, it's he doesn't know why he's doing. Doesn't know why it's happening. He says, "You're trying to throw me in the water. Please stop." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then I think they found out that like that. The um the place that had trained the animals apparently was like like they're just I don't know I don't, don't want to say they're cruel but apparently they don't they don't treat them very well and the animals are kept in cages and stuff like you know so it's like I I don't know there's, there's something wrong with the with the actual company they hired to 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 supply the animals and everything so they ended up having to cancel that and they still released the movie though so. I guess it, I, I guess a, a morality only goes as far as the dollar will will allow it to go. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> so, what qualities do you think make a great horror film? And could you give us some examples of uh, horror films that you think are great? Ah, uh, okay. Um, for me personally, I I like those movies that kind of sit with you. Um. Yeah, I like I like movies. That, I really like movies that push the envelope. So, uh, I, I mean, I like, again, I kind of like horror movies of all. Uh, I like them. I like them all around. But yeah, I think the ones that really sit with you are the ones that really get me. Like, um, I'll never forget when I watched. Uh, 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 oh, what's the name of it? Oh man, the Jack Ketchum movie, um, The Girl Next Door. That. The night that I watched that, I, I when I turned it off, I remember sitting in bed, laying in bed that night, and I just stared at the ceiling for the next like hour and a half, just going over and over in my head what had just happened in that movie. And and the greatest part of it is that you don't see most of it. Like they really left it to your imagination to just picture what this girl was going through. Um. Yeah, I, I like I like films like that. You know, uh, um, 
I really enjoy Cronenberg's films, but I mean, he he kind of shows you things. <laughs> he oh, yeah. really likes to show it to you. So I like that body horror as well, because that also says sometimes those are the sorts of things where, like, when you see it, that's what makes you cringe because it makes you feel it. You know, uh, when we we did our we did our body horror. Uh, M M is for mastectomy, and people watch that. And when she starts pulling on her skin and it, and it starts stretching, that's what everybody cringes. Oh, you yeah. know, so I like I like that kind of I like horror movies that really affect you like in in a physical and 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 like mentally emotional way, you know. Um, the horror the slashers and things like that are fun. They're fun to watch, but I can't think of a slasher that really sits with you and makes you like question yourself and and your own personal safety. You know, um, the descent messed with my wife a lot. We sat and watched that. Like she was, uh, she's like, I'm not walking into the next room in the dark. <laughs> you know, she's just so, so freaked out that there was something in the dark. Like the descent had some amazing, amazing moments that just like, if you're sitting in a dark room, you feel like this thing might be right next to you, you know? I, I, and I like that. I like that feeling that they, they kind of cross the line and make you, make you feel like this could really happen to you, even though the descent could really never happen. Cause it's, you know, mutated creatures in a cave, <laughs> but I mean, Hey, it, they, they could be hyenas in, in a cave and do this and treat, you know what I mean? And come after you and you're, and you're trapped, you know, there, there are animals that could do that to you too. So I guess it can kind of happen in some form. <laughs> oh yeah. It's like stuff that makes you feel like kind of uncomfortable and like makes you yeah. um, really takes you out of your comfort zone. Yes. Yes. I like that. I, I really enjoy that stuff. And um, yeah. what advice would you give somebody who wants to create their own independent film? Just do it. Just do it. That's it. <laughs> we um we um I listen to a lot of I listen to a lot of filmmaking podcasts, and because uh, you learn a lot of stuff from them, you know, I like to listen. Like you said, I like to listen to other filmmakers. I like to listen to how what, how they create their uh, their films and how uh, the things that they put into it and everything. Um, but there's something I noticed that there's, that there's, there's a, there's a lack of, there's a lack of shows out there and, and Hey, is, correct me if I'm wrong. There's a lack of shows out there that cater to that, that are kind of talking to the people that, um, me and my friends are, you know, we, we all work our full-time jobs and we make our films on the, on the weekends and all the movie, all the money comes out of our own pockets. And sometimes we can find actors for our films and sometimes we have to find our friends and there's plenty of people doing that, but how many of them are doing what we do? We're, we're actually selling the movies and we're going out there and we're, 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 we're getting distribution we're putting them on DVD and we still have to sell them at conventions ourselves. A lot of the shows I listen to, they're one of two things. They're either full hobbyists that are just making movies for fun and they're talking about it. You know, like uh, I know one of the biggest podcasts, like when you search for, uh, I think filmmaking, one of the biggest ones out there is these is, is, um, they're fishermen and they film their fishing trips and they talk about it on their podcast. And it's like, this is the most popular filmmaking podcast out there. Like this is number one. They have the more downloads than just about anybody out there, you know, or, and, and those are the hobbyists or the other side where these are working professionals and working professionals 
who are their editors by day or their cinematographers or their hired out directors and things like that. And they're, and they're doing this and they're trying to figure out how to make movies on their own in their own spare time. And I'm like, but what about that little gap in the middle where before you've become a, a working professional and, but you've gone past that point of, of, uh, of hobbyist, you know? So we, we, we kind of do our own, we, we kind of came up with our own show called filmmaking sucks. Uh, where it's where me, my wife, and my friend Mario, and it's us talking about the things that go wrong because we make plenty of plenty of mistakes, and we just want to talk to those people who are just like us, who are just like, well, I can't do this. How can I do this? Just do it. That's the only thing I can say is just do it. Don't 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 compare yourself to other people because everybody has a different situation. Like I said, some people are hobbyists, some are professionals, some are just doing. Just do it. Pick up a camera and do it you know um uh one big thing we say is when you're when you're first starting out 99 percent of everything you're gonna make is gonna suck it's just gonna be bad and even if you and you're gonna love it but everything but but over time you're gonna look at it and be like that was really bad <laughs> that was a terrible terrible movie you know but quality comes with time so my my advice is don't worry about making it good. Just worry about finishing it first. You know, if you've never made a movie, just pick up a camera. Yeah, and hell, you, you can make it with a cell phone at this point. Cell phone shoot in 4K. I haven't even shot a movie in 4K. And I've made three feature films at this point, And I haven't even filmed anything in 4K. And, and you know, some 15-year-old kid can pull his phone out of his pocket and m make a movie in 4K. And then he can edit it on his cell phone and he can upload it and submit it to film festivals without it ever leaving his cell phone. You know, it's pretty amazing. Technology, when you think about it. it is. It's absolutely incredible. Technology can allow you to do anything. You know, it's amazing. Just do it. Just get up and make it, pick up your phone, grab your two or three friends, go in your backyard and make a movie and just keep doing it. Just don't stop. Just keep, keep, keep going for it. <laughs> Sounds That's the good. best advice I can give. Some good advice, very um straightforward and um yeah, it's kind of what I think a lot of people need to hear. It's like just get out and do it, like don't really make yeah. excuses and it's like you said if it sucks, well, at least you went out and did something. So Exactly. Exactly. How many people try to do something like they say they're going to do, they say they're going to and then they never do. You know, I I mean, um I know people who went to film school 15, 20 years ago, still have not done anything. You know, like you went to school for this. You went into student debt for this. You paid 20, 30, 40, $50,000 to do this and you never did it. You know, what's, what's stopping you? And when you talk to them, they end up, well, you know, I, I wanted, I really want to do this, but I can't make that without this. And I can't, you know, they need this, they need this camera and this, this microphone and this location and that thing. All right. Well, if that's what you need, then how about you come up with another idea? Do exactly. something else. Stop worrying about what you don't have and make a film based on what you do have. You know, uh, um, a friend of mine friend of mine uh, he's actually the lead actor in our in our new film uh his name's Tom, uh, thomas ryan he made a film called faces it is a great great indie slasher well it's not even a, it's not even so much a slasher it's kind of a like psychological thriller that kind of becomes a slasher of sorts 
you know, I, I don't want to give too much away. You can find the uh, trailer online. Anyway, he made this film. It's a, uh, I think, 80 minutes or so. You know, kills eight or nine people in it. Uh, he made it for under $2,000. Wow. The entire film, less than two grand, a feature film. And he just got distribution for it. You know, not even two grand. I don't even think it costed that much. And and most of the movie was the, the, the money he spent feeding people. You know, he made a bunch of phone calls. Uh, a friend of his owns a bar. So he went and shot the bar for a couple of days. Another friend of his uh, is a teacher. So he shot in the school while it was closed for the summer. Smart. You know? Yeah. So it's like there's so many ways of, of doing you know, and, and he did and then he shot in his apartment. He shot in one of the other one of the other actresses' apartments. Uh, another friend of his was I think he's a lawyer with a with an at home office, and he shot in the office. And he didn't have to pay for any of this, and all his and he put all his friends in the movie, gave them all a role. Uh, he borrowed another 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 friend of his had a, had an old car, so he let him borrow the car to shoot to shoot with that. You know, and and then I think they ended up. Um, what's really funny is after that they did a fundraiser because the guy it was like, okay, this is the iconic car of faces. I think they actually did like a fundraiser of some sort to give the money to give the get the guy the money to restore the car. Wow, <laughs> you know, so that's something really even cool. farther than the movie came out of it. You know, and and that's absolutely incredible for two thousand dollars. Not even it might have even been a thousand. He it was ridiculously cheap and it's a feature film so there's absolutely nothing stopping anybody from doing any movie there's nothing stopping you just do it definitely i'll have to <laughs> check that one out too it sounds pretty cool yeah it's, it was a cool film after i saw it that's when we were we had we had been uh, um i've been writing my script and after i went i saw the 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 premiere of that in uh, jersey city and i was like this is great this is and really that's that's what said to us well this guy can carry a film what are you doing, dog? <laughs> the dog is just standing in the middle of the floor staring at me. <laughs> yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> they're curious. Yeah. They're like, I know something's going on, but Yeah, like what are you sure. doing? <laughs> why are you why are you talking? What are you doing? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it, it's it's a really cool film. You should check it out. Definitely. So I just have a few more questions. Um this is a question we like to ask everybody um who we interview. It's kind of a it's a question that Corey and I kind of debate about a lot, but we'd like to get the opinion of everyone we interview. Sure. What is your opinion on hairless cats? Hairless cats. Um, they're weird looking, but I'm allergic to cats. So I guess that would have to be my preferred cat. <laughs> I'm allergic to cat dander. So if I had a cat, it would have to be hairless. But I'm a dog person, so... Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I'm um, I'm not too fond of the hairless cats. I think they look kind of uh, odd. They always look angry. They do. Like, whenever you see it, they like, do. They totally look like angry, wrinkled old men. <laughs> oh yeah, like uh, like cool. something out of an Edgar Allan Poe novel or something. Like in a little Edgar Allan Poe story, sitting staring at you, waiting for you to die. <laughs> That's per that that describes it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, Corey has a weird obsession with it, but I I just I. I can't get into it, but <laughs> so, what, um, are there any films that, um, mass graves pictures is currently working on? Uh, not working. We just finished, uh, theta States, which is the new one. 
Um, and we're doing film festivals right now with that. We just had our premiere on January 13th at um, the Macabre Fair Film Festival in Long Island. Um, that one, it's, it's about uh, um, an insomniac named Danny, which is played by Thomas Ryan. Um, and uh, he's a lifelong insomniac. He goes to, he finds a, a, a sleep doctor uh, on TV one night when he's, excuse me, let me back up a little bit. One night while he can't, he can't sleep, he gets up, he turns on the TV, and he sees a commercial for this Dr. Zovnik. Says, come to come to this sleep clinic. He goes to see the doctor, and the doctor gives him a um, uh, binaural audio wave generator, which is uh, basically audio frequencies, uh, like on a little MP3 player type thing. And it's and 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 it basically hypnotizes him into sleep. And now, once he starts sleeping, um, he's plagued with nightmares, uh, hallucinations, blackouts, and some real sinister shit starts happening to him. Sounds like a really unique idea. I, um, I see on your website, you guys um, won for best sound, best soundtrack and um, audience choice awards. So congrats on that. Yeah. That's, I definitely want to check this one out. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. And um, where can we follow you to learn more about mass graves, pictures and all projects you guys have worked on and uh, anything you guys will work on, work on in the future. Uh, well, you can get us uh, immediately at massgravepictures.com. Uh, all of our links were on we're on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I think there's a YouTube, or Vimeo. So, but uh, uh, at massgravepictures.com, you can find all of our trailers, um, uh, all of our short films, uh, even our podcast. The the What Lurks on Channel X is our kind of paranormal podcast, and filmmaking sucks is our filmmaking podcast. Uh, but ev- that's basically our hub. Everything is at the website. So you can find everything you need from us right there. Very cool. I'm definitely gonna have to check out your podcast. Sounds really awesome. So, sounds like cool. the kind yeah. of um, thing that we, that we're really into. So. Cool, man. Check it out. Yeah. And winter's a little difficult <laughs> getting everybody together. And we were about to get somebody together next to this weekend for it. And now we're ta- now they're talking 10 inches of snow tomorrow. So I was like, Oh my God, you know, uh, for, for channel X, my co-host there lives out in long Island and for filmmaking sucks. So my co-host is in Jersey. So it's like, <laughs> so it's really difficult getting everybody together. But, uh, so they're both kind of on a little bit of a little bit of a, like a couple week break, but they've all got episodes up there. You can check out. Definitely. So there you have it, B-Movie fans, Mass Graves Pictures. Um, oh, sorry, I, uh, I'll, I'll edit part of this out, but I, I miswrote what I had on, had on my little tag there. Um, yeah. yeah. There you have it, B-Movie fans. Make sure to check out Mass Graves Pictures and all their horror film goodness. It's guaranteed to be a good, t- good time. Manny, thank you for joining us today. It's been an awesome conversation. It has been. Thank you very much for having me, man. Definitely. Thank you for joining. Um, yeah. If, um, if you have any uh, stuff in the future, we'd love to have you on again. Cool, man. I'm down for it. Don't forget to listen to our podcast. We review a different B-movie each week. New episodes every Friday on our website, bmoviebros.com. If you have a movie you'd like us to review or any additional comments, feel free to leave a message below. This has been another B-movie interview. We are the B-movie bros saying, be brave. Be alive and be back next time. Get on the